They've done things that I think are replicable. But part of the problem in the last couple of weeks is the defensive have, defenses they played against have played better. But Tua also has been antsy in the mm-hmm. pocket. And I think that speaks to him being uh, kind of an operator of a machine. Mm-hmm. And when that machine goes a little yeah. off kilter, yeah. Yeah. then he doesn't exactly know what to do and they can't have success, which has kind of the, been the issue with them so far. From the Finley Toyota Studio... It's Cofield and Company. Five o'clock hours here. John Montobel is in as a company, Ari as well. Uh, just to finish up on what we closed out last hour with, we were just talking about social media, and it was based on a conversation I had with Jordan McCabe, one of the guards for UNLV. So there was a couple cool things in there. One, that he's built you know, such a following, and that he's learned all these different skills of how to make money on social media how to kind of work the system. He's getting applicable skills for the future, which I think is really neat. Also, I don't know. I mean, you know if, I, if I were UNLV, I would clip that little part of uh, McCabe talking about their facilities and how awesome they are, that they have two working studios for podcasts. And yeah, he does these, um, a lot of people do them, but you have to be good at it. You have to be funny. He does these just random, let's just draft stuff. And he and Isaiah Cottrell are the ones I've seen. They just draft stuff and McCabe's really good. Is Cottrell good? He's a little quieter. It's yeah. kind of the, you know, he's a sidekick in this case. <laughs> but I don't know that he's done it before. So, right. it, you know, it takes time to kind of warm up to it. And, you know, as we were, if you heard the discussion, we were talking about actually prepping for things. That does help. So, good for Jordan McCabe. I hope the other guys on the team, you know, see what he's doing and, you know, build their oh. brands. And it's it's one of the cool things. You know, I, I know there's a lot of people out there who are like, college athletics is ruined by NAL. No, it's not. Shut up. No, the whole point of going the whole point of going to school is not to become a pro athlete. That is the smallest percentage of athletes who get to go pro. It's to get life skills, make connections, make business connections, and be ready to work a real job and achieve. Mm-hmm. And NIL, if you use it the right way, that can help you. No, I think these are the success stories that I think you should really get behind. Like guys like Jordan McCabe who are building themselves up for whatever the future is going to bring after they're done with basketball. And to be successful like that on a platform and continue to grow. I, I think it's absolutely tremendous. If, and, I, if I had kids like John, who will you know both turn out to be like six one and like two ninety, um, and I made him play football, John won't do that. But if I had if I had kids say looking at football, I would as a parent, I would have, I would have the school lay out like I want to know all these things. Like what skills is this, is my son going to learn? Oh. What facilities do you have? How is NAL going to? And it's not just like how much is he going to make. That's not my question. It's. How how does he make the money? Who is he connected with? How do you uh, facilitate the process? I know technically schools can't do that. All right, who do you work with? I want a detailed plan. And then the other one, I've, I mean, I I think this should be the, the question from every every parent of, for any school. Um, I want to meet or be in contact with five people who will give my son a job. Now, maybe that's a recruiting violation, but we can get around it. I want to know where my son's going to work potentially. If he does what he's supposed to do, you need to deliver on the back end. And my child, if he's not a professional athlete, better have a chance at a good job. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have answers for me, then I'm going to find a school that does. I mean, I don't I mean, care about your sports program. I don't care. I don't. I really don't. Because there's, you know, if you're if your kid's highly recruited and has ten offers, fifteen offers, who's the best? No, I agree. Oh, I mean, even at this point right now, I'm asking those questions about like just what's the game plan for his knowledge and what's he's getting, like in terms of my kid, um, Diego. And to be quite honest with you, it's not that we dislike where he's currently going, but I feel like there's more things to be squeezed out of that sponge, if you will, like mm-hmm. in terms of learning and what he's going to be learning. And 
Uh, we've already got – there's a date set for – there's a couple of schools that open up enrollment for them that we're going to start attacking right away. But that's at a young age. As you get older, too, having your sons – like, this would be a very prideful moment, I would think, as a parent, seeing what your kid is doing oh, on their God. own. You know, fired up it, you'd be if you're, you know, you're – the McCabe family, and you see your kid doing this, right? And it's not outside, like you said. It's not the fi- it's not so much like the financial part of it. It's just, hey, you know what? I feel like I'm good at this. Let's start to build this and find some success, and set myself up for you know the future potentially as I move forward. I think it's a, I think it's great. The last thing you want to have when you uh, you get out of school, out of college, or out of high school, same thing. Yeah. Even if your 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 kid's not going to go to college and you know wants to has to work or wants to work. Um, the the last thing you want out of high school or college is the kid to be looking around and going like, "What now?" And then the parents are like, "I don't know." Right? Like everyone's just confused, and that that's a situation, sadly, with a lot of people. So good for Jordan McCabe. Good for UNLV with those facilities. I think that's a really cool story. Really cool story. On the way back, we heard some breakdown of the Dolphins. The Dolphins are a really intriguing story down the stretch here. They could go on four. This whole thing could fall apart. Maybe everyone's got Tua figured out. Tyreek Hill is not healthy now. Is this defense any good? The quality of opponents is getting better. You're going to have weather in this situation with the Dolphins and the Bills. What do you think about the doomsday scenario here for the darling of the NFL when they were sitting at 8-4? and four? I think it's legitimately real. I think that a lot of people got excited, and rightfully so. The numbers were gaudy and everything looked great. The Dolphins also, in the stretch they were most successful, were picking apart a very weak schedule, especially when Tua got back. It was the Pittsburgh Steelers. It was the Detroit Lions. It was the Chicago Bears. And even in those games, I mean, you saw, I, I was amazed by like just the, the like, yep, they're good. This is one of the better teams in the AFC. They were getting in shootouts with Detroit and Chicago. They were scuffling with Pittsburgh. And granted, it was to his first game back. But like, I just don't really understand our love with somewhat short sample sizes of success. And what I mean by that is if, if we're going to put to one side or the other, like, somewhat poor Tua performances and really good Tua performances. Over the course of his career, there's a lot more negative when it comes to Tua Tungavailoa than there is positive at this point right now. And it's not to say that what he's been the last two weeks is what he's going to evolve into or just be for the rest of the season, but it's not like this is out of left field, right? Like, we've seen this version of him before. So it's not out of the question where now you have to go to Buffalo to play the Bills, mm-hmm. where you have, I believe, a game left with the New York Jets on well, your it's schedule. At, it's at Bills. And by yep. the way, they were 8-3 and three at one point. They had to take on the Niners and the Chargers on the road. Three road games in a row. Bills will finish up that. Down the stretch, Bills, Packers, at Patriots, home Jets. Those games are all going to mean something. Maybe not so much for the Packers. They're all going to mean something. So much has changed because of two performances, and it's, it's the same thing the other way. Like, teams don't play well, and then all of a sudden the sky is falling. Teams get out to a good start, and, hey, everything's set. The future looks bright. I heard Jeff Darlington on uh, ESPN National, and they were asking him about the Tua contract for the future. Like, if it was a couple weeks ago, you're like, oh, you know, of course Tua's going to get that long-term contract. He's shown what he needed to show. And then Darlington's like, well, if it's another game or two of this, then the question is out there again. Are the Dolphins going to keep Tua around with a big, long contract? No. And, like, that's the thing. So let's look at the season. And, again, I always stress, there's only one outlet in the way that they're great. Okay? But, it's, but let's look at pro football focus. The first game of the season, he had a 52.8 passing grade against the New England Patriots. He committed two turnover early plays. Then he went on his really solid run. Three games. He had three games in which he graded at a 75 or higher. That was Baltimore, Buffalo, and Cincinnati. He was tremendous. Comes back from injury. Was not really good against Pittsburgh at all. Again, three turnover early plays. PFF passing grade of under 60. 
He has three games, which he's elite, we'll call them. But look at the opponents. Detroit, Chicago, and Cleveland, three of the worst defensive teams in the National Football League, turns that thing around against some of these opponents, and he's right back to where he was last year, the very first game of the season against New England. Like, I I feel I just, you've got to kind of look around at everything, like the whole picture. And I think that the, and I, what I'm saying here is it's not two stinks and this is all over. It's just, I don't think they were always as strong as the eight and three indicated. And I thought that like, it's the same thing. Like when we talk about guys like Justin Herbert, it's fair to question <laughs> when guys are be like, are having success. Is this sustainable? How right. are they having this success? Will it continue going forward? And it's troubling when you run into defenses all of a sudden that rank inside the top 10, 14 of the NFL, and it looks like you hit an absolute brick wall. That's John Von Tobel. It's Cofield. Ari's here. Cofield and company, 5 o'clock hour on this Wednesday. So the quarterbacks run this league. The stories around the quarterbacks run this league. So if the Dolphins long-term didn't keep Tua, then what do they do? And that's always the problem with teams – they want to sign guys because they're afraid of the unknown. But then there's the bridge quarterback. So I got to play this for you. This was Albert Breer on the herd. Breer's talking about Brady and the Buccaneers. And it sounds like Brady is now disappointed that he doesn't have a strong figure coaching him, which is hilarious because I think he pulled a coup on Bruce Arians. So fire this with uh, Albert Breer and Brady one. I think there are certain things he appreciates more now about the New England experience, whether it's the discipline in the program, it's how tight everything was wound, um, how the game was called, the offensive coaching he had. And it sort of takes me back to, you know, when Josh McDaniels left New England the first time and went to Denver and Billy O'Brien got promoted in two, it was 2009, got promoted to become the offensive play caller. And almost right away, Bill O'Brien got a text from Tom Brady with four words. I want to be coached. So Brady's a lunatic, but he likes being around other hard-charging lunatics, probably strong, but he wants he wants uh, instruction, you know? He wants to be motivated. So that's interesting because, again, I I guess part of the Arians thing and the coup is that Arians wasn't – like, like I think he's a verbal guy, but I don't think he's a detail guy. Right. And that's why he wanted to move on, or he wanted – Brady wanted Arians to move on, and now he's got, you know, kind of a – he's around a, a jabroni organization that's all beat up. So the thought is from a lot of people, he ain't quitting. He doesn't want to go out this way, that he may go somewhere else. I don't think it could be Miami, not after all that happened when Steve Ross tried to tried to grab him illegally. Listen to Breer here talk about potential candidates. Uh-oh. Some people aren't going to be happy. <laughs> potential candidates for landing spots for Mr. Brady if he does continue to play. You know, I think if he's going to continue playing after this year, you're right to think that that could be a factor. And the two most obvious places where I think, you know, he'd have places he could, he'd have coaches he could really respect on that side of the ball would be San Francisco and Vegas. Oh, no. Now we've got five months of sports radio content. Maybe not five months. I, but he already tried to go to San Fran once, and little Shanny and John Lynch made the mistake. The Niners quarterback situation can't be more up in the air. It is insanity right now. Brock Purdy is questionable for the game tomorrow. I don't think he's the future guy. I don't think Garoppolo is anything more than a backup. I don't know what the hell is going on with Trey Lance. If he, when he comes back, he's going to come back. Is he the guy? Did he show enough? And then 
There's the Brady, Josh McDaniels tie, and the fact that Derek Carr is really on a one-year deal. Oh, boy. Here's Oh, boy. I don't want to throw any cold water on any dreams out you're here not, in You're Las not going to ruin it for me. If you're realistically assessing your options if you're Tom Brady, where are you going? You're going to San Francisco. These two men worked together for years. Yes. He and McDaniels. And McDaniels, I mean, are they turning around this defense in an offseason? Are they changing things that are going to give him a team that is a realistic championship contender? Because the San Francisco 49ers very much seem to be a team that is one quarterback away from being a championship caliber squad. Brock Purdy just went out there and laid a whooping on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. If Tom Brady with a full complement of weapons in that offense with Shanahan as his coach and that defense, that's a Super Bowl favorite. Yeah. But they already turned him down once. So maybe that's stuck in his craw. He's a guy who has a long memory. And good old Josh is here in Las Vegas for Tom Brady. Yep. It's great. Where's that real estate he bought? Where is it? Where is it? Time to use it. Can I uh, can I also say really quickly? Because you mentioned Miami. Giselle didn't want to come out here. She's gone. Josh is here. Oh, we get we get a a February and, and March full of where's Derek Carr gonna be and Tom Brady's in town for a UFC. Where's Adam Hill to write the story? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Dana, early. White, it's Dana early. White? Dana White can tempt him a little That's bit more. Dana right? White already delivered him once. Not yeah. going to turn him down again. Josh is here. His buddy. Yeah, he's not coming. Um, <laughs> can I also say? Mark it down. 514. When he goes to the San December Francisco 14th. 49ers. When he goes to the San Francisco 49ers. I mean, think about it, too. From, 40, from the 49ers standpoint, that's actually, I think, a really great. It's not just getting a quarterback that can maximize your championship window because those things can be really small, right? And they have a roster that is set to win now. It gives Trey Lance the opportunity to work with one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL's history that you that could really help with his growth and development once Brady's done in one or two years. John's good, isn't he? The future of sports talk, right here. John Von Tobel, as I mentioned earlier, tens of thousands of dudes, women. Up on social media, like TikTok, future sports talk stars. I'll give you a guy on the way back who absolutely should be getting more exposure. He got major exposure, and then he got back down a little bit. J.J. Reddick had some really good stuff the last couple of days, which I think everyone out there is going to enjoy, about the rule, the unwritten rules and the class of the NBA. Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve Cofield and at me, JVT, or tweet the show at Cofield and Co. Obviously, every coach would love to have every guy healthy. It's just not the nature of this game. I think we've had a lot of guys step in and play very well, you know, when they've had their opportunities. And, you know, our focus is going to be on this week and trying to do whatever we can to prepare for the Patriots and put our best performance out there regardless of who is or isn't active on Sunday. Now. Back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. I'm dreaming tonight of a place I know. I mean, can you believe what's going on with McDaniels here? I mean, how much is he going to fan the flames of this rivalry? He's getting out of control. No, he's actually doing the complete opposite. Kind of tamping down the whole thing. Patriots week. Patriots week. Nothing to see here. Nothing to see here. 
means we'll uh, be a discussion for the rest of the week. I wonder how the Raiders will perform with a little bit of life left. They're on life support for the playoffs, but really, as a spoiler, if they're going to close out the season strong here. Uh, Josh Jacobs, I know he's going to close out strong because if he can get on the field, I mean, the guy's hand is jacked and he was still playing. He's going to be doing a meet and greet this Friday. It's for a really good cause. Ford Country Valley Auto Mall. Check that. Yeah, Valley Auto Mall. Uh, Six o'clock, meet and greet. Josh Jacobs on the scene. Q from Q Myers from uh, Raider Nation Radio 920 will be there. It's all to benefit the Serving Our Kids Foundation. They want you to drop off boxes of individually wrapped food, applesauce, granola bars, cookies, cheese crackers, ramen, beef ravioli, oatmeal. So keep that in mind. Mm. When you go down, drop off some food for the uh, Serving Our Kids Foundation. Valley Automall, Ford Country, this Friday, 6 o'clock. Q Myers and Raiders running back, Josh Jacobs. A lot of the theme of the last like hour or so, we've been talking about how you know much talent there is out there and contributing to the sports conversation. And there are former athletes who are doing it too. Like J.J. Redick is good. He's really smart. He's got a little edge to him. You saw him go on. First take and not give two craps about battling Stephen A. Smith, which very few people can do and not be intimidated. Mad Dog Russo, who's a radio legend in New York, he went after him over the whole Bob Cousy thing. That was great. So he's doing a podcast. And he decided to tackle this whole deal with the Suns. The Sun, I'm trying to think who the Suns would be. I guess the Suns would be compared to like the Cardinals of baseball or the Braves had an era, you know, or Jose Batista as an individual, like I'm going to do whatever I want, but you follow the rules, right? The unwritten rules. You know, if the Suns want to be cocky and act like horses ass, uh, asses at the end of the game, we can do it. And that, that all comes from CP three because he's an intense competitor and a sore loser and kind of dirty. So you saw that thing last week where <laughs> Zion, Zion goes down and it's just slamage time. Right. Awesome. Uh, that slam was ridiculous. He's 6'6", 300 pounds. It was just ridiculous. And J.J. Redick is like, what is the deal with people trying to get you know, all fired up and get on a pedestal and preach at Zion? Can we stop with the moral outrage around shooting at the end of games? There's multiple clips last year in the playoffs against the Pelicans, against the Dallas Mavericks, where the game is decided and they don't the Suns don't dribble out the clock. So the campaign's comments, the moral outrage around it. Come on. Right? Suns pot, pot calling the kettle black. Cut it out. You don't you don't police yourselves, but everyone else is supposed to follow these imaginary rules of basketball class. There's a reason why Luka Doncic and the Mavericks hated them last season and why they were so willing to absolutely annihilate them at every chance possible in that postseason. Yeah. They were loving the fact that they blew them out and sent them home a season ago. It's the same thing with them the entire time. Remember at the beginning of, I don't, like it was like the 10th, 9th game of the season? Clay Thompson got ejected in a game in Phoenix because he was getting so irritated with them that he started tried to start a fight and got kicked out of the game. They are. And, and it's funny because you want to know what it reminds me of because Chris Paul is the common denominator. I'm a Clippers fan. Those old Clippers teams, right, the Lob City teams, whereas him, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan, they're kind of the same way. J.J. Redick was on those teams, right? Yep. They were kind of the same way. What does a bully hate? When they get bullied back. Right. And then they flip out. Also, Zion is not an ass. That's the other part about this. Like, he's entertaining paying customers. Yeah. He- For every person that bought a ticket and was in Smoothie King 
probably at the top of their list, if it wasn't the Pelicans win, the top of their list for what they hoped to see that night was an insane Zion dunk. Good stuff, right? And only former NBA players can give you a real opinion. Like, Zion Williamson is not an A-blank, right? He's not He's not a jerk. He, he so I'm telling you what he's like. He's not one of those guys. He apologized after. Did you hear him in the press conference afterwards? He was just like, look, he's like, that's not usually what I do. But they sent my guys home. I got, I wanted I wanted to do that. Usually it's out of pie. Like that's not generally how I act. But well, I'm sorry they sent my guys home. I didn't like seeing that. I wanted to let them know. And if anyone can do it, it's six six three hundred, right? Because <laughs> he probably could have said. And if you've got a problem with it, then come see me. Of course. And just flexed. <laughs> right he's, there. He's two ninety five. Let's go. I don't. <laughs> we're gonna build it up a little bit. He's actually now he's listed at six six two eighty four. So he he's, slid down. He looks he's pretty good. slightly shorter than Aaron Judge, but a little bit bigger. Two pounds bigger, one inch shorter. Two pounds. Think about that. That Aaron Judge is as big as Zion Williamson. Carries the weight a little differently. He does. <laughs> he seems longer and sleeker. He does. But he's also in a bas- He's also in a baseball uniform. If you ever see, you know, really big dudes, football players in basketball yeah. uniforms, you're like, holy crap! Like Miles Garrett in a basketball uniform. Yes. Yeah. Oh my god. That and then was, he's up slamming. That and was freaking. terrifying. <laughs> Terrifying. That's awesome. VGK tickets. Yay, holidays at Lotus Broadcasting. We've got so many tickets. Let's do a pair right now. Let's do a pair right now for the game on the 23rd. Caller 7, 364-1100. It's so easy. 364-1100. Vegas Golden Knights tickets. Make sure you uh, check out the uh, flight deck. It's another cool feature they've got. All you can drink, all you can eat. But we've got a pair of tickets right now for the Vegas Golden Knights. Ari's going to hook you up. 364-1100. Want the skinny on UNLV football? Listen to the weekly UNLV All Access podcast with Cofield and Caleb Herring. A new episode drops each Thursday morning at UNLV All Access on Twitter. Baker was thrown on the, on the trash heap out of Cleveland, out of Carolina. He comes in primetime, and then he wins in his first game off of, like, 24 hours sleep in L.A. It is big that he's going to start Monday Night Football. This is a chance for Baker to show that he's still got it. But this is a lost season for the Rams, but maybe Baker can showcase a little bit over the next few games and work his way into another contract, either in L.A. or somewhere else. Back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. The uh, Baker Mayfield story is really cool. We'll see how it plays out if that was a uh, one-game wonder or... Baker Mayfield is going to resurrect his career and either hook on with the Rams or get a big deal from someone else. He's got a chance here if he can stay healthy to uh, get a nice audition with a good coach. I don't know if it's a good team, but with a good coach. What's wrong? He, I, This is not like an understood thing. He's the quarterback of the future for the Rams. Possibly. I'm in. This is it. Already you're in. I mean, Sean McVay allegedly told him, if I could get you, I would, kid. When he was coming out of the draft, so. Or no, sorry, it was if I didn't have Jared Goff. Yeah. Uh, who knows? Four more games, and he could set himself up or, you know, be back to a guy who no one wants. Very few want. I mean. Backup quarterback. Three teams in two seasons. I feel like a lot of teams want you. 
Yeah, I don't know how many teams put in waiver claims for him in the end. And wanting point. you as you know, the uh, thirty-two teams want him as the backup. What? Well, well, I'll take him as a backup for you know. Here you go. Here's who's here's three million a year on a two-year deal. Wanting and also desperately needing a body to play quarterback for you are also two different things. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. So we were just talking about a uh, little angst, a little heat, a little rivalry with the Suns and the Pelicans and Zion Williamson the other night pulling off some crazy slam at the end of the game and the Suns acting like they're all insulted and J.J. Raddick came back and was like, listen, cut it out. Cut it out. Acting like you're all offended, the moral high ground. Please cut it out. Now, I wonder what would have happened if, because Golden State talks a lot of trash and Golden State expects teams to respect them. What would have happened, let's say, a second go-around if uh, in the first game... Zion Williamson freaking pulled off one of those showboat slams to shove it in the face of the Warriors after a win. What would Draymond Green do the second time around? Because I got to tell you, all the stuff before the season with Draymond Green punching Jordan Poole in the face and knocking him out and then kind of saying sorry didn't mean much to me. It's what happens moving forward, and I still think he has a serious anger issue. I don't think people can really get through to him. And then we have a game last night, and while I want to defend the right of players to push back on obnoxious fans, I don't exactly know what happened here, but I know Draymond got into it, so what do you know? Uh, So we know a little bit now. So first off, he had an exchange with somebody in the stands, and apparently uh, the guy told Draymond, or in some form or fashion, uh, threatened his life. So here's the thing. We'll hear from Draymond in a second. We actually have audio of the exchange. Now, you can't hear the fan. You can. This TNT has different feeds. I don't know if you know this. So I don't know what this one's called. I think it's like overtime, where it's literally just court mics, and that's it. Oh, wow. So during a free throw where Giannis is at the line, you can very clearly hear Draymond screaming at the fan. This is the exchange. Again, it's all Draymond, but you can hear him going back at him. I would love to know what that pass is. You ain't I would love to know what the pass is. Okay, so he drops an end bomb at the end, which I think is an issue. What does what's the pass mean? So the thought is, is that some, at some point in the exchange, the guy, the fan, told him, I'll give you a pass this time. Or in other words, I'll give you the pass to live, is the thought. Did he, did he say that? That's what, and that's Draymond's response is, what's the pass? As in, what pass are you giving me? That's the thought process of what his response is. Right? What's the pass? What was, pass are you giving he was me? He's threatening his life because he right. said, I'll give you the pass this time. Yeah. I thought the guy was like credentialed and he's like, What's the pass? Or I thought the guy <laughs> said, That pass sucked. No. I think the, the thought is is that, and again, we can only go off what Draymond's saying and what the exchange is. Draymond does explain afterwards to the media what happened and why he felt the fan should have been ejected. Ah, uh, some threatening stuff to my life. So, you know. Um, I was this close to really going back and like diving all the way in, but kind of just went back and told the official. And when I told the official what he said, he's like, oh, he got to get out of here. And he got to get out of here. All right, so he's happy about that. The official must have heard something. You right. can't, you, you, can you throw someone out 
for saying I'll give you a pass. What like unless he like I'd like to kill you, but I'll give you a pass. We like we don't know if that's what he said. Right. If he said something like that, then yeah, get him out. I don't know. It's just it's a weird. Everything with Draymond's weird. It is. I mean, I'm not gonna, dropping an end bomb on the court. I mean, like, again, I just we just talked about not getting on moral high ground, but I'd prefer not to go to a game where Draymond Green is screaming at the crowd. Cut it out, dude. Right. I mean, I personally, I think the use of the N-word is like the, the least of all of this. I, I would assume that he is not the only person in the world during an NBA game on the floor that has used that word. No, not right. at all. So, and, and in exchanging with another man in the uh, in the stands, right? I look, we can only take him at face value. With, which is what he's saying. And Do you believe him? It, that he had his life threatened? I I think to an extent maybe he thought he did. Yeah. Right? Like, that's the thing. It's the interpretation. If the guy does tell you, I'll give you a pass this time, there are some circles in which that would be taken as, I will give you a pass for your life this time. There are. And maybe where Draymond's from, that's what that means. I, I think there's a chance that that happens. And... The other part about this that you said, if the official heard it, if you listen to what Draymond says there, he actually relayed what the guy said to the official. So it's not like the official heard it and then was like, oh, we got to get him out of here. Because if you note in the clip that we played of the audio on the court, you hear somebody tell him, Draymond, drop it. It's the official who comes over to him and tells him that. Not a teammate. Right. So there's an official right there on the baseline listening to the exchange who didn't deem it, at least at the time, until Draymond made it so that the guy had to go. It, it was a really weird moment. And apparently, by the way, I thought this was interesting, too. So this is Draymond. He continued on. Players have this power. Players can, whenever they want, tell officials, get this dude out of here. And Draymond was actually asked about it because, if you remember, he got fined earlier in the season for another exchange with a fan. Uh, yeah, I mean, I can't necessarily say that it, that hasn't been an option. That's kind of been an option. But I think, you know, there are times where you're just in the moment, you know, and, and you respond. And so... Uh, you know, that's been an option. That that wasn't like, oh, I just found out that was an option once I got fined. Like, that's been there. Uh, and the league has made that clear to us for years that that's been there. But like I said, we're our human beings, and there are times where you just respond, you know, and um, try to learn from the mistakes. But, you know, like I said, there's still the human side, the human element to it. That, you know, sometimes you're just going to respond, and that's just that. Yeah, I understand that. But with of all guys, Draymond Green should have learned by now. Just have him tossed. You don't need to have a, a shouting match mm-hmm. based on the fact that you've had you know violent outbursts on the court and especially off the court. Mm-hmm. Just take the high road. And I know it's easier said than done because people are jackasses, some of them, saying stuff that's completely out of line at games. But of all guys, just, just tell the ref for security. This is what the guy said. Get him out of here. Yeah. No, I look, I like when it comes to the whole Draymond Green dynamic, you know me. Like, I'm a fan of him basketball wise. He's great, but I understand anything that comes with him. And I think to this point, he has earned the scrutiny that, like, you're showing in this, this uh, event that he gets from a lot of people, which is, are we really buying it? He punched Jordan Poole in the face and then released a weird seven minute documentary on it about himself, <laughs> about himself <laughs> <Right>. overcoming <laughs> adversity. Right. You punched him in the face. So. Any moment it's a like triumphant this. Triumphant moment. Draymond got through it. <laughs> right. So any moment like this, I totally understand questioning Draymond a hundred percent of the time. But like it's just, it's again, it's just him in the middle of something like this. And maybe he did. Maybe he honestly felt that his life was threatened. But at the end of the day, I just think it's a fascinating dynamic because even if he honestly felt that, he has put himself in a place where 
people like you and others are rightfully so going to question his motivation what actually happened. Update on this show when it comes to Christmas. Are we all coming unraveled? The pressure is near. Today, after unnecessary roughness, it's the Kevin Kruger Radio Show at 5 p.m. on Raider Nation Radio 920 a.m. Cofield and Company presents... Grab Bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Stick your hand in there, Dave. So, John, not sure if you were listening the other day, but I had talked about um, getting a little froggy on Friday night, last Friday, and, you know, I hadn't completed my uh, Christmas setup outside, lights and such, and inflatables, and, you know, I've been kind of building up a little supply. Nothing too expensive. i got to invest a lot more, but I only get it on clearance. Will not buy it before Christmas. Hit the stores on the 26th and 27th, put it all away, and then open it up. Next holiday and go, oh, I bought this. So anyway, um, forever I've been wanting to hang lights up on the garage I have that has a high peak. But I'm afraid to get up on the ladder to go all the way up to like 18 feet. Okay. So the other day I decided to do it. I got up on each side to say like 15 feet and then got freaked out. And I was like, I'm just going to put it straight across. So it doesn't go to the peak. It just goes up and then straight across. Oh, that's terrible. Then when I stepped off the ladder to check it out, I was like, hey, it's all up. Man. It's kind of crappy. But eventually I'll get up to the peak in a couple of days. I'll I'll nut up and do it. I, I walk back. I look at the lights. There's a strand of lights out. And I'm like, my God, this is a nightmare. Now, what I didn't tell you is that my original idea to get to the peak was climb up on the roof and hang over the roof and just, you know, just put the lights up, right? Sounds dangerous. Climbed up on the roof, got up there. And froze. I'm like, nope, not going to lean over. Then I look down, and I'm like, okay, how am I going to get back down? You know, I got the ladder leaning against the house. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> I had, And so that was an extension ladder propped onto the roof. I put a six-foot ladder on the other side, an A-frame ladder. And I was like, oh, maybe I'll just go down that way. So I climbed all the way up the roof, shimmy down the other side, got there. And I'm looking over the edge. I'm like, nope. Climb back over the peak again, down the other side by the extension ladder, and I swear I just sat there for like 15 minutes. On your stomach? No. Oh, okay. It wasn't really shimmying. It was kind of yeah. like on my side. Yeah. But I was up there because, you know, when, you, when you're going to get back on the ladder, you got to kind of step around and yeah. hey, whatever. So very wimpy stuff, but, you know, I don't know. I just locked up. I finally got down. So anyway, long story short, yesterday, I'm working. I prep at home. And I hear something outside. I hear like the like the metal of a ladder. And I look out the window. I'm like, ooh, the neighbor has someone coming over to install something. So I run outside. I'm like, hey, what are you guys doing? To the uh, the two guys who are working. It's like, oh, we're putting a window up. Oh, the, the high one in the back? Yeah. I'm like, you want to do me a favor? <laughs> so the guy actually did it. Really? I threw him a little bit of money. Yeah, he got up. And, dude, it was it's so embarrassing. How long? It took like two seconds, didn't it? Well, first, because he was going to go get his ladder, and I'm like, no, nah, I have an extension ladder. So we just pulled it out of the garage. He puts it up, dit, 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 climbs up, goes all the way up. He's leaning off to the side, putting stuff on hooks all the way up to the top. No issues at yeah. all. And meanwhile, I'm like holding it. I'm like, be careful up there. <laughs> I'm like, don't lean over. It's dangerous. So I got it done, but 
have to be proud of me. I have I have no shame. One in asking someone to do me a favor, throw them a little bit of cash. But I, I was like, I was not embarrassed at all. I'm like, whatever. I can't do it. I admit it. I'm a wimp. So I've gone through this for like six years now. I just have to pay someone. Good for you for admitting you're a lesser man. I I, I no doubt I am. I Friday night after I had the whole stuck on the roof thing for a little while and didn't get the lights done the way I wanted to, I walked up the block and checked out a bunch of different houses on the street, on my street, and around the corner that had better setups to further depress myself. But I did steal a good idea, so I executed that one because it was on the ground. I, I'm like, I can, do the, I can do the ground stuff. So as someone who It was a rough night. It was a rough night. Does not have a home. Though There are many things I look forward to once I do own my home. Are you going to go up the ladder? Oh, yeah. You think no, you can? No, that's have you saying. done it? I've done it before. Have you? Right? You. In, in the physical labor jobs that I've had, I've dealt with heights, so I feel like I'd be able to. Like, I didn't why know I say, you had I physical labor like, jobs. Yeah, like, uh, I thought the Von Tobels were blessed and just owned a lot of stuff. Uh, they are. Uh, but well, you, you, I you, work for Was me. your grandfather owned a, you guys were like a big well, tool was, place in town. That was before my time, but I guess it's in my blood. Um, I was going to say, didn't you, you just have a, like, hey, kids, let's play. Go on the extension ladders. You're six. You're like, okay. Well, what my thing Use was. Use our stuff. Yeah, that's what, essentially, yeah. Like when I was seven, my Be dad. a commercial. Like when my dad was just like, all right, this is how you start the lawnmower and other things. Well, I can, I can do that. Well, like, no, but I'm just saying, like, that's what the start else. was. Yeah. And you're like, all right, then this is what you're doing. Let's go. And like, yeah, all right, cool. So I like to say, I feel like I'll be able to do it. Oh, I can't wait until I can't right. wait till the day we can bring this back and go, have the ladder thing go, buddy. And I come in and my arm's broken because I fell off because I was trying to do too much. That was my biggest problem. With the climbing up the ladder, but also getting on the roof, is me envisioning all the horrific injuries I was going to suffer. Yeah. Because I actually did think for a second, I'm like, it's not that high. I can jump. And then I was like, my legs would just get, like, right, just pulverized. You'd accordion. Yes. I would just get the cartoons. Yeah. <laughs> then, then tell the story. Like, you're old. Why are you jumping? How long is the drop that you're thinking about jumping from? Probably nine feet. Six feet's a lot farther than you think <laughs> it is. <know>. Like, <laughs> that's really high. Yeah. I'm an idiot. I admit it. I tried. I failed. It's almost Maybe next year. Full story. I, I, it's, I'm stupid. Was there a bush at least? No, no. It's, oh, that's, yeah, I was sizing it up. Nope. Because I, uh, I'm a massive concrete person. I love, I've, right. every, I've extended the driveway. There's concrete everywhere. There's no soft spot. What about the, the distance from the pool to the roof, like the, par- the parabola that you would have to cover? Well, I was at the front of the house. That's in the back of the house. And I can't even imagine climbing even higher <laughs> and going to the back patio roof and then jumping in a pool. <laughs> and clearing the cement to and, get to the and pool. And clearing the cement because I could see, like, slipping. And then, you know, the head hits the, the pool and that's it. <laughs> yeah, it's over. You, your feet make it in, but you're not your backside. Yeah. Not good. <laughs> so how's Christmas season going for you, buddy? Um, one of the most irritating parts about Christmas is there's, and this is, this is the other low key irritating thing about having children, right? People are like, I can't sleep. No, it's not that big of a deal. All right. They're potatoes. There's like three months maybe where sleep is pretty broken up. It's fine. Right. And yes, sometimes they're annoying, but it's cool. Sometimes my kid will come up to me randomly, tells me how much he loves me. It's awesome. The thing that irritates me is during holidays, everyone wants to see your kids, everyone. And so of course I'm I'm mad because people love my children. Of course, we have to like divvy up. Like Isabel keeps asking me, she's like, "What are we gonna do?" I'm like, "I don't know." She's like, "We gotta figure it out." I'm like, "It's ten days from now. I'll figure it out in like two. Okay? Like like yeah, I don't really want to. You, you can't keep putting it off, right? Like it's just like that's what I like, like to do. You can't keep putting it off. Dinner invitation here. Dinner invitation here. Right? It, like and it's like like because you on. know on that day 
when the decision has been made, you're going to be like, what? No, no one told me. Well, that, I need to know about this. But, but here's the other part that's going to irritate me, and there's a chance that people that have invited me to places are listening. Don't be offended when I tell you that we have, like, I have, I have five people reaching out to me asking me to do something. Some fat's got to get trimmed what a, somewhere. What a what a weird show. <laughs> Mad that people like you and your kids. <laughs> like, You're not all lonely. This is such a rough time of year for a lot of people. And John's like, I have too many people that love me. No, they don't love me. They love your kids. They, yeah. they, yeah, they never the wanted part. any part of you, you seven years ago. If you love them so much, come pick them up. <laughs> okay? Don't make me drag them over to go see you. Come get them. When can these kids drive? Man, the clock's ticking. Come That's on. That's right. I, I love the, <laughs> we haven't seen you in a while, Tex. Like, you know where I live? Yeah, come over. Come on. Come on down, yeah. baby. July. <laughs> April. It's of course. October. It's all got to be right now. It's terrible. So you, your book's solid. It's a terrible time. Well, well that's the 14th. You, you, got, you got 10 workable days. You, but every night, every night you're tied up. Here's my out. This is what I do every year now. There's NBA games yeah, on. I, I got to write. write. I got to. I got to write, and I got to watch them. So, because that's the thing, Steve. I love Christmas Day because for me, like we usually, like my whole thing is Christmas Eve is the holiday, right? You have dinner, you have drinks, you open presents. Christmas Day is about chilling. It's about sitting around doing nothing, having the kids play with the toys, watching the NBA or now the NFL because it's on a Sunday. I actually get Christmas off this year. Like, I don't have to work a visa in wow. this year. It's the first time in years that I haven't had to do work on Christmas. I was looking forward to it. Now i got to figure out my plans. Stick your hand in there, Dave. How's your budget doing? Oh, I'm poor. <laughs> with no, the gifts. No, no. I started making out a list Can about I? two days ago. It's late. It's very late. And I was like, man, I gotta, I better hustle up. I, so this is the other thing. I actually, I didn't snap at Isabel. So I have notifications set on my phone. So when there's online charges or stuff, like I get notified, right? Because at one point, I was somewhat bad with my budgeting. So like, I'd be like, I've been playing, paying for Planet Fitness for like seven months and I've never been there. Like, how am I, what what is still happening here? Right. So I, I set up like notifications. So anytime we spend, I will be able to see it and then we'll see what it is. The last two weeks, Steve, the amount of Bank of America notifications that I have been getting. Scary. And I'm like, I'm like, Isabel, what are we buying? What are we doing? She's like, oh, it's a gift for this person. It's a gift. And like, at one point, I can't remember who it was. Oh, it was, again, I apologize if you listen to the show. It was Diego's preschool teachers. She's like, we're going to get him something. I'm like, no, we're not. We don't know them. Yes, they care for our child because we pay them to do so. That is their Christmas present. Why do I have to buy them a coffee mug? Stick your hand in there, Dave. I might cross over into New Frontier. Uh, what do you think of gifting the people who uh, provide, like, weekly service for you? Like like lawn care and stuff? Stuff like that. I know you you're, you don't have yeah. to deal with that right now. I would say yes. Okay. They're a regular, normal part of your life. All right. Okay. They enter your home, right? Especially when you're not uh, no, around. actually, both work outside. Oh no, it's not one of those where like you know leave the door open and we'll get no, in the backyard no. and do. Well, one one is stuff. a bug guy. He's very good. Does a really good job. We have no bugs, and the other is the pool guy. So, but I got I got a pool guy story. I'm gonna have to tell that before Christmas. If they're regulars, where you're like, hey Joe, I think that's yeah something simple. Okay, okay, that's good advice. Stick your hand in there, Dave. All right, unless they listen to the show I and mean, get them everything. Uh, Darren Waller, oh, sports. Oh. That's right. Darren Waller and uh, Hunter Renfro practicing this afternoon. Oh. Could be available this weekend. Why did you just 
Sigh of relief for you. What's Darren, going on? Darren, if you're listening to me, buddy, I know you got a lot on your plate. Please. Please. Okay? And I, I would never hold it against you. I'm not one of those guys. But with every pass you catch this weekend, potentially, just know a fantasy playoff game is on the line, and I need you, buddy. Mm. Do you have a good team? Uh, I'm the, I have the two seed, yeah. Nice. Nice. What do you think of this one? Five players who helped their fantasy teams make the playoffs in the highest percentage of leagues on ESPN. Travis Kelsey, number one, 72% of his teams made the playoffs. Josh Jacobs, 67%. Yes. Jalen Hurts, 65. Tyreek Hill, 64. Austin Eckler, 63. All makes sense. Okay. I'm opposing Josh Jacobs this week. What if you had two of the top five? feel like you'd be feeling pretty good. I mean, assume you do. What if you had two of the top five and you didn't even sniff the playoffs? Oh, that's terrible. What a, what a piece of crap I drafted. Well, so it was and one I of should those... be kicked out of the league because from an integrity standpoint, I did not give a rat's ass. And I was within hailing distance the whole time. I made no pickups. Why? I, you know what? I didn't even look at the final score of last week. I had My quarterbacks were Aaron Rodgers and Mike White. I don't even know that I put Mike White in. I should be kicked out of the league. I have Mike White. I should be kicked out for having Mike White, even if I put him in. Well, That's I, how bad my team was. He's my backup quarterback, Mike White. Mike White. I'm was, actually going to start him this week. Is that right? Well, they're playing Detroit. It's a good matchup. Mike Evan I'm hoping. White. I'm hoping. All right, John. Appreciate you coming in. Ari, thank you. Check out the archives of the show at lvsportsnetwork.com.